After living in the dark for so long, a glimpse of the light can make you giddy. Strange thoughts come into your head and you better think them. Has a special fate been calling you and you not listening? Is there a secret message right in front of you and you're not reading it? Is this your last best chance? Are you gonna take it? <laughs> or are you going to the grave with unlived lives in your veins? along with my co-host Travis and Eric. It's a new day. It's a new moment. It's a chance for us all to grow and maybe learn a thing or two about what this world's all about. It's the movie podcast of all movie podcasts, Cinema 9 Pod, ProtonMail.com. The Oscars just happened. Uh, we'll talk quickly about that as well. But of course, we're going to focus on our main event, which is The Good Girl. 2002's Good Girl starring Jennifer Aniston, Jake Gyllenhaal, and John C. Riley, and more bozo characters. But first, we always say hello to our co-host Travis Roy in Hazel Park. What's cooking? Um, not much. I'm just uh, hanging out. I cooked some grilled cheese. That I cooked that. Um, and I haven't been cooking much lately. But uh, what's cooking? Yeah, that's what's happening in Hazel Park, Michigan. Mmm. I like food. People like cheese and people like bread, right? Am I wrong, Eric Branstrom? I'm a fan. Uh, you ever had like a good kielbasa bread? Like that, that you know. What I'm talking about, like crunchy kielbasa, so good. I hate kielbasa bread. I what? I hate that shit. I, I, yeah, ciabatta trash. It's delicious. If a I sandwich like says ciabatta, I'm instantly out. I'm just not into wow. it. I don't like the texture of it. It's too thick. It, it, <laughs> it falls apart too much, too. I don't approve of that. You're here for ciabatta talk here on Cinema <laughs> 9 Podcast. I'm Michael Ciabatta. Thanks for coming on. Ciabatta. Yeah, well, hey, the Oscars happened, guys. It was a pretty dull affair. A lot of people said it was pretty shitty, too. It was also at a train station. It was a different set up you know i actually appreciate that they took some chances tried something different uh soderbergh directed i thought that was cool not everybody loved the music some people were complaining on text and online that it wasn't really connected to a lot of the films that were being recognized as they were being awarded awards 
I mean, like like every year, there's some high points and some low points. You know, there's, I mean, but like people are like, oh, there's only like nine million people. Like no shit. Like you know, even if it was like the normal Oscars, like people people watch them less and less every year. And let's move on. Like <laughs> like it doesn't have the relevancy that it used to. Fine, it's still something that a lot of you know millions of people across the world enjoy. So, um, and you know. I, I also respect some of the chances that were taken, and I also really question some of the chances. So, some like like moving um, the the best picture up, um, you know, before best actor and best actress was a dumb call. Having the in memoriam like this super cheery song, which I like the song. I love Stevie Wonder, but I didn't feel like the song was appropriate and it was like super fucking fast like i read really fast and i'm like i can't keep up i can't keep up with this shit and i, and I know i read fast like uh, it was... christopher Plummer, over 70 years in the business like half a second with like some jam going out in the background Come what do you expect on, man there's a lot of there was a lot of people that died by the way it seems like that's, a very lengthy in memoriam that's true but like this ham-fisted like unplanned quiz section where people oh, were oh, that. Oh, name that like, too <laughs> like, oh, I love that fucking, uh, look man like I was, some of that shit was brutal but what nothing was more brutal than daniel kaluuya talking to about his mother and his father fucking on live tv in front of his mother and it cuts to his mother and you can see her plainly saying what's he talking about <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome that was that's cool brilliant <laughs> at least they yeah, did I, it i mean the year was so yeah. fucked at least they had something for us that's Fuck our that. standards now at least they did it you're right well, how do we feel about the the bozeman hopkins upset because i i'm okay with <laughs> it i was i was a little upset at first but you know it's it's, yeah, that's. A, I'm glad there. you brought that up. You're right because that was like a big deal, and I thought one of you guys would be pretty pissed about it. Actually, it's, it's not an but upset. It's clearly the best performance of the year. I mean, for me, having to watch Anthony Hopkins like shoehorn in something special for Chadwick Boseman in his speech, it seemed like someone was like, "Hey, make sure you say that because people are pissed that you won." I don't know. I think he probably recognized that a great <laughs> talent was lost. I mean, he knows who the fuck Chadwick Boseman is. I don't. I don't. I don't think that. I don't. I, don't, I think that he probably would have said that regardless. I think that. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with a, a legacy uh, Oscar, but but at the end of the day, like you know, you never really. Perry know Mason got one. Perry, the character Perry Mason got an Oscar. <laughs> Tyler Perry. Tyler oh. Perry. Good guy. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I definitely walked away thinking like I should probably make fun of Tyler Perry less. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I actually was like, wow, if this guy is, I didn't know if this was like one of those hoity-toity, shove it up my ass. Hey, make make me look like I'm the king of everything, and I've done so much good in the world. Or if it was like legitimate stuff. But I looked into it further, and it seems like he's done some pretty good stuff. So good for him. Yeah, that was actually cool. more last year than I did. So I'll give him that. Yeah, but he has a lot more resources than you. That's not a fair assessment, in my opinion. If you had his resources, I know you would do as much as he does. Michael, I appreciate that. Thank you. I feel better about myself now. Tyler, See, fuck you. you. I don't like your movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You didn't change a fucking thing about my opinion I'm, of his work. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I've never deemed to watch any of his movies. I don't even know if they're bad. You're right. <laughs> I'm going to join you in that. You're right. I've, I will I make fun of them and never him. seen one. Never. I've but, seen yeah, him in... Salmon Gone Girl. Salmon Gone Girl. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Who oh, wants to it. accept the challenge this week? Watch a Medea movie. And report oh, that's back to us. When we say his movies, we're really talking about Medea movies. That's Fuck, it, yeah. I'll do it. I'll watch any old shit when I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a problem. I, 
I mean, I'll throw one on if I have to half pay attention to it like I was when my fucking name was said on national television by Reese Witherspoon. I was half paying attention to the Oscars. I just turned down the Oscars and I won an Academy Award. I couldn't believe it. It was <laughs> of all people to mind. say the, your name, Michael Govier. Yeah, your, I mean, you your guys. beloved Reese Witherspoon. Fans of the show would look like you too. <laughs> you guys, being old friends of mine, easily know that was a big deal. To hear her say my name, I definitely uh, will probably add that to the podcast version of this as an intro. It just blew my mind. And then, uh, you know, I was like, is this really happening? Did that really? Did she really say my name? It's really weird because I was like, I just turned on the Oscars. It was, it was pretty cool. Like, good for him. Actually, <laughs> it looks like what Michael Govier won for was a nice little piece of work, too. I'd like to watch it. But yeah, I don't I'm know where watch you watch it. animated shorts. Uh, I think it was a live action short or document. Oh, okay, I can't remember. No, it was, a, it was animated. It was animated. Okay, wasn't I, it? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you're um, probably right. What the? F- we don't uh, even know what the fuck we're talking about. Who knows? But his name is Michael <laughs> Govier, and, and 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 I'll probably watch it. Sure. Yeah, I, I was I was very happy though. You know that Soul won, and uh, my Octopus Teacher. You know, two movies I've championed on this show quite a bit, so that made me happy. That's fantastic yeah. news. Yeah, watch that uh, Oscar-winning film, Mike, and report back week with a special Govier on Govier segment. <laughs> I would love to do that. God, if we can get him on the show, that'd be so cool. And yes, it was Best Animated Oscar Short. It's called okay. If Anything Happens, I Love You. So I don't know where right. you find that or where you, I mean. Probably like YouTube, a... where you can't find The Good Girl. <laughs> you it can find parts of The Good Girl. <laughs> yes, we've had a discussion off air. The challenge of finding The Good Girl. Not as easy as you might think. Unless you own a uh, shitty DVD copy. But at any rate, yeah, Oscars, they're in the can. Congratulations, everybody who won. To those that didn't win, uh, my real quick thought on the Bozeman thing. Hapkins wasn't there. He said he wanted to give a Zoom tribute that he wasn't allowed to do, apparently, because they didn't want to have Zoom. Or Soderbergh didn't want to have any Zoom shit because they didn't want to look like the Golden Globes, which I can understand. But they can can send people to Berlin to film, like, the sound editing guy from, like, one person from a team, right? They could do that. They could send someone to fucking Dublin. They did. They did. That's what I'm saying. Olivia Coleman was supposed to get up there and accept it, but like someone, like, didn't see the cue card, and they just, you know, Joaquin skipped over it. Okay, well... Yeah, it was a weird ending. Uh, I think if Chadwick Boseman had won and Anthony Hopkins dies in like five years and he didn't win, he'd probably say, you know, I still had a good life. So I don't know. Uh, whatever. That's, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's it, was, it was a tough call. Both of them are good performances. You, you get down to it, you know, it's subjective anyways. Let's yeah. not cry. But his wife, you know, someone made a point that like Boseman's wife was there and like the family was there. It would have been cool if like, hey, we showed up for this thing and, you know, hey. We're here. I, yeah, I mean, but they they also like you know they did that because they went to the Baftas and they went to the Sags and did that. But I mean, the, his brother made a, a public uh, like you know announcement saying that hey, it's cool. I don't think Chadwick would have minded. He didn't put a lot of stock <laughs> in this stuff. Supposedly he you know he called it like a campaign, like that kind of stuff. Like he, ah, it wouldn't have been a big. It, he would have been fine with it. His, his brother says <laughs> so. We should probably be fine with it. But still cool, like. Uh, the folks, I'm glad my octopus teacher won, but all of the, the folks from Crip Camp were there, and it would have been nice to see them. They all came out to mm. you know, say a little something for those that missed the documentary. Yeah, I would have been happy if they had won, to be honest. But, I, I mean, I liked my octopus teacher more, but Crip Camp was a really important feature. Come on, get happy! It would have been cool if the Partridge family cast was there. That'd be Why the fuck would that happen? Why would know. that happen? Somebody said the word happy, and happy popped in my head. All right, I got to tell you guys. We got a great show for you. We talked Oscars. We're going to talk The Good Girl, 2002 film directed by Miguel Arteta. Is our does it hold 
up segment or not, but as uh, always, I believe he goes by Flan de Coco in this in the making of this film. Let's not. Why does he hung up on? Because <laughs> that's what he. His Flan name is. His name is. Was it Miguel Areta? Is that what he said? But he. Arteta. He yeah. Arteta. <laughs> he 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 built himself in the in this film as Flan, directed by Flan de Coco. I'm going to call him Flan de Coco in the context of this film because that's what he wanted. You know, I've seen this film a few times and. That kind of just flew over my head. I never actually realized that that's that's what he's calling himself. I just, you know, it's like a, a I thought it was one of the production company names or a tiny like his own production company, but that's actually what he re- called himself. You're right. And I yep. you missed that. Okay, well, <laughs> well we'll talk more about that too. That's that's something. That's a unique piece of film history. Flanchet. Yay! Flan de Coco's delicious by the way. It's quite tasty. I do remember Un pan dulce from Spanish class. That meant sweetbread. I love sweetbread. Mm. Travis Roy, time for quarantine viewing picks. Yes, we have a vaccine. I think Travis is vaccinated. Congratulations, Travis. Uh, I'm partially vaccinated. One down, one to go. And uh, people are still taking care, wearing masks, and trying to watch out for COVID. But that doesn't mean we're not watching films. Am I wrong? I mean, you know, I mean... I'd like to think that maybe life will pick up again to the point where I won't watch like 40 movies a week or whatever. But uh, until that time comes, I'm going to continue blowing my life on film. Um, so I, I hung out in the 70s a lot uh, this past week. Um, I don't know. Not really sure why. I guess because the pressure of watching all this Oscar shit was taken off. So I just went back and, and you know, I caught I caught The Brood from 1979 at Eric's session. Okay. I sent you guys a picture of of uh, a series of pictures of me responding to the climax of that film, um, which is <laughs> disturbing, but it was fucking awesome. And Oliver Reed should have had so many more starring performances. That man was so magnetic. I can't even believe it. <laughs> Hell yeah. How magnetic that dude was. Uh, I watched Saturday Night Fever because you talked about it last week and I had okay. uh, never seen it. And, you know, yeah, it was it was good. It was good. Uh, I was glad to get it under the belt. I could see why people, you know talk about it why it was influential i caught it late in life too i always thought it's just like i i don't go like i'm not a huge like dance movie fan but there's so much more to it than just like like the dance scenes in my opinion so yeah i'm glad you checked it out yeah the best stuff to me was all that stuff about the brother leaving the priesthood and all that right. stuff. i actually wish there had been more of that that was pretty cool hmm. um I, i've still I, never I, seen that i've never seen it by the way so yeah I you know it's it. it's worth seeing um and and damn good acting from john gotta say i mean you know it's good uh, I watched uh, Halloween, which I've seen many, many times. I've seen Halloween dozens of times, um, but I've never seen Halloween 2. So I watched Halloween 1 and then I followed that right up with Halloween 2. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I always loved about Halloween 1 was that there were, you know, that I want, but I, I wanted more Donald Pleasants. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, if you're going to say his name, that's how you got to say his name. Um, but uh, there was a lot more of Donald presence in uh, <laughs> Halloween 2. <laughs> and that was fantastic. Well, that's, what he, that's how he speaks. <laughs> He's but, evil. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so, th- so that, was, that was a lot of fun. I was happy to get that uh, also taken care of. I watched The Hills Have Eyes, which was fucking awesome from 1977. I mean, some of these costumes are crap, but like, this movie's still fucking scary to someone who's 40 years old and, did, you know, I'd never seen it. And I'm still like, this is disturbing as shit. Did they remake um, that one in 99 yeah, or something? Yeah, or 06, I think, or something. Maybe 99. I don't know. They, they did remake it. Yeah. I, okay. I haven't seen the remake. I actually saw the, I think I saw the remake in a theater, which yeah, is strange. So so, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Um, I watched, uh, you know, Eric, you've mentioned it, and lots of people talked about Dolomite is my name. I never watched it because, like, I'd never seen Dolomite, and I felt dumb watching Dolomite is my name, but I went ahead and watched it, and it was fucking great, man. Eddie Murphy yeah! was fantastic. So funny. It's right? one of the best biopics I think I've seen. It's inspiring. It's like a great mm -hmm. American story, and I finished that up and i went and watched dolomite right after that and uh you know it was fine but like it would have been cooler if i'd grown up watching dolomite like lots of folk but it was fucking it was my name is dolomite is fantastic i, mean, I assure so you good. you are not alone in seeing that movie and not ever seeing dolomite and then immediately watching <laughs> dolomite because that's what all of us did <laughs> <laughs> we hadn't seen Dolomite. I did, that's, too. That's what I figured. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, I, I guess I watched a lot of movies. I watched Coneheads from 1993 okay. because uh, my co-hosts uh, numerous times on separate occasions talked this movie up. And I got to tell you guys, I laughed my ass off through this whole okay. fucking movie. Good, good. I could it's not hilarious. believe it. Just, I mean, it was so funny and relevant yeah like surprisingly relevant i never even like i didn't watch it because i didn't even like the coneheads on tv so i'm like i you know no neither did i but i was i mean like these it was so funny and just a parade of comedic uh cameos you know it was it was if you've never seen coneheads you guys check it Hilarious. the fuck out i i was skeptical but i was really glad i watched it um Yay. and my 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 the last one is to wrap things up i watched two fantastic documentaries of 20th century musicians that in my opinion like the best documentaries like you finish them and you kind of like feel like you sort of know the person a little better i think like the a good bar for that would be uh, american the bill hicks documentary like you watch hmm. a movie yeah. you know what i mean when you watch a documentary and you're like wow i actually kind of feel like i sort of know this person a little bit and i got that with uh marley from 2012 about bob marley a two and a half hour feature that just deep dive into bob marley's whole life fantastic and David Bowie, The Last Five Years from 2018 on HBO Max, which the name is a bit of a misnomer. It really, I mean, like it, it captures like the last five years of his life, but tons more. There's tons of footage that I'd never seen before that, you know, no one had seen before. And, oh, man, just heartbreaking and fantastic. I mean, as, a, as any Bowie fan, any fan of history should watch, uh, I think, both of these documentaries and like the, the, to get a good understanding of these incredibly influential musicians. So uh, Marley's on um, YouTube, by the way, so you could just watch that one for free. And uh, Bowie's on HBO Max. Can't watch A Good Girl for free, though, on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, you, you can watch about three quarters of it. Watch, oh, you can. Uh, that's true. But you can't even pay for it on YouTube either, which nope. there are rentals. It's unbelievable. I was ready to fucking just buy that movie from Amazon Prime or something. Like, I was ready, you know, to download it. I, I, would, I was like, whatever, just so I can watch this goddamn movie. But no. I, just had, I had two backups. I was ready to just, like, say, fuck it and switch gears yesterday. But whatever. We'll get through this. Uh, all right. Well. Coneheads. It's good to know that he liked Coneheads. Yeah. <laughs> I love Coneheads. Sold a squeeze. Coneheads yeah. yeah. Lots of Chris Farley. Like yes. lots and lots of Chris Farley in that Legitimate movie. Legitimate Chris Farley movie. Yeah. Uh, but never really mentioned as a Chris Farley movie. Right. right. But just like a, you know, like a third or fourth main character, really. That st stupid creature they fight like on their planet. So stupid looking, but so funny. It feels like Thor Ragnarok. I feel like Thor Ragnarok or Idiocracy stole some of that from that scenery. I'm Hell telling you. There's like, but maybe it's we've seen a Coliseum and a monster a million fucking times in lots of movies. So. Yeah, Aaron Brantram, what the fuck? Yeah, it's not. What have you been watching in uh, Griffith, Indiana? Dude, I took you, uh, Travis, up on a recommendation. Uh, Jack Goes Boating? Yeah. I believe you saw it too, uh, Mike, if I'm not mistaken. No, I wanted to, but I haven't found it yeah. yet. So I still got to watch it. I checked in with it and uh, I. I 
I enjoyed it. You know, it's it's like 90 minutes long. It's a really easy watch, good character study. And I mean, you got to check in with all of Phil Hoffman's role. He's got, <laughs> I'm sitting here watching, I'm like, Christ, this guy's got like, he's very versatile, but like, you're either going to be getting like the super confident, suave, like a little douchey Phil Hoffman, or you're going to be getting like the Phil Hoffman that like, Looks like he's like standing in line at the DMV with the flu, and like that's <laughs> I know what this is. It's just like no, th- I think you know what. I, I, I see the, <laughs> I I see the yeah, joke you're making that's there. That's funny, but I agree with my. I see the joke you're making there, but then I'll bring up a movie that I've watched. Okay, I'll wait. I'll I'll follow up that point. <laughs> no, Go I ahead. did like it. I like the supporting cast a lot. I props to him and his uh, company that he also worked with with his theater arrangement. Uh, these people i know michael ortiz and this, this other young lady i i really like these characters and uh of course amy ryan i i dug the film very somber but fucking offbeat romantic in parts uh funny i dug the film uh so yeah thank you for that recommendation yeah. uh <laughs> you know ever since uh the great uh, our friend of the show chris uh gave us his list of uh selection movies and this one lost out it's been itching at me and i finally had to scratch that itch young guns so yeah i, I haven't seen this in like 30 years i had to get like an amc plus subscription that i luckily like canceled the very next day after i gobbled up both young guns one and of course young guns two these are fun movies i i, I don't know when's the last time you checked in but I, I enjoyed myself, man. Like I, I'm sitting here watching these and I'm thinking, Christ, when's the last time I saw like a movie about like a team and like, it's like really fun and it's action, but the team just doesn't like quip, like try to out quip each other the entire time and like seem invincible and stuff like that with all these uh, movies you see nowadays. It's just like a, a real honest story about these guys that become friends who had doubt each other at first and, I like the script and I like the interactions. I, I, I think it come out could come out today and still maybe a couple of things on the soundtrack aside, still, you know, be fresh for audiences. But I, I dug both of these movies. Uh, I think there's a difference between both the movies. I, I know both the movies very well. I've watched them a billion times. I think there's more quips in part two than there is in part one. But yeah, maybe. Whatever. But uh, Splitting I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I like that. Oh, they are fun. They're, they're, they fly by, you know, they're yeah, anachronistic in a way because they have like the Bon Jovi music with the old, it's like a, I don't know, a 90s Westerns or like yeah. late 80s <laughs> glam metal Westerns. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. It's weird, but it works. Other than that, Christ, I, 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 I can't, <gasps> it's hard to admit this, but like, wow. I'm back into this fucking rabbit hole. I cannot stop watching documentaries about pro wrestling and legendary oh. uh, superstars from WWF. I, I seriously need someone to to help me. I blew through two seasons of Dark Side of the Ring. I watched five A&E specials on various superstars. Beyond the Mat from 1999, Resurrection of Jake the Snake. I can't stop watching them. Like, so, like once in a while, I'll go through these phases. Like, I did like this run of like 15 documentaries about like vintage arcade games and like all the grandmasters who like competed in these championships. Finally, ending on like a. 80 minute like movie quote unquote of a like a like some asshole playing nibbler like in order to get the high <laughs> score like i sat there watching it and loved it i i don't know i don't know literally in the movie someone's like what the fuck is nibbler i don't i don't I know that, this guy's going for the high score so that game like, worms that we used to play like on the snake. ti yeah, yeah remember we used to play like those games yeah. on the ti85 yeah. calculators in high school it's like that the entire yeah. documentary is about this asshole trying to get the high score i'm sitting there watching it loving it but <laughs> I, I just cannot get enough, man. It reminds me so much of just being a kid and like looking up to these larger than life, like leviathons. It's just so fun. 
And uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm what were some of the wrestlers? Guy. Give me a couple of wrestlers. Anybody I know? Dude, Roddy Piper, there's a great two-hour oh, special yes. from A&E that covers his whole life. Travis, you are talking the other day. I'm at the end crying, just wishing I could just hug this guy. But sadly, I can't now that he's passed. A good documentary will do that. Just touches you, and you feel like you know know the person. You said it so perfectly. And uh, we but have yeah, They Live dude, forever. So They Live. Yeah, Randy Savage, that. Miss Elizabeth. Uh, oh, it's, man. It's, it's just so much fun. Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks, man. Those were yeah. tough times. Yeah, so I'm, mm. I'm going to be in that for like a few more days until I can climb out and actually watch them. Jake so the Snake. So like, uh, there was a great documentary about Jake the Snake <laughs> yeah. that came out a few years ago. It was oh, really good. It was great. I'm not going to watch it. Oh, well, his life story is interesting. Yeah, really powerful. That's what this industry did to these guys is just unbelievable. But oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, I mean, there's a symbiotic relationship there, but whatever. I yeah, you're right. You're right, Mike. Tit for tat. What does that mean? Tit for tat. Like, where did um, that come you, from? You give and you get, right? Yeah. yeah. Push pull, Mike. You give up your titty and someone <laughs> gives you like a bird or something. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you didn't watch as many movies as Travis did. Um, if you can. Yeah, I got to tell you though, to your I left movies off the list. I know you did. I I believe you. I watched I watched Escape from Alcatraz. I've never seen that before either. Oh shit! I've never seen that. It's a Clint Eastwood. I like that. Yeah, Steve McQueen. No, just Clint Eastwood. Just yeah, just Clint Eastwood and yeah. Every time I turn on Red Ward. Yeah, every time I turn on Hulu, it's like a giant picture of Escape from Alcatraz. I'm like, this movie's like 50 years old. Why do they keep pumping this movie? Like promoing it so much what's the Birdman of alcatraz is that a movie or is that a story that's like a like a myth right like there was a, there oh, was a guy okay. that actually went to alcatraz that like had a bird and was <laughs> famous like about that. it so like every time <laughs> yeah. there's like a prison movie you gotta have some guy that's got a bird yeah. or a pet bird. mouse or some shit oh okay that makes Jingles. sense like brooks brooks and his raven yeah well yeah 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 uh yeah actually i watched a movie from the 70s it's funny you did that you did that and it was fucking totally in subtitles it was a french movie (laughs) uh this was recommended to me by mike muldoon uh friend of the show sort of i i think he is he checks in once in a while i don't know if he listens every week but he got into my face two weeks ago through text said hey i want you to watch this movie called the discreet charms of the bourgeoisie bourgeoisie. that's a great movie you've seen it okay great Classic. I had never seen it. I had never seen it. It was quite a, uh, it was enjoyable. And it's funny. It, was, it is funny, and it's still quite, I would say it was still quite relevant. I don't know. It seems like a lot of it was still very topical, oddly enough, like you were saying earlier. So uh, very cool. I'm glad that he recommended it to him, and I still have to talk to him more about it because he wanted me to give him feedback. Uh, he's a big movie file himself. So, Mike, uh, thanks for that recommendation. Much obliged. Oh, boy. I watched Bound. Fucking Bound. I haven't seen Bound really in movie form because I've just endlessly masturbated to it when I was a teenager. I'm not going to lie about it. This is, come on, this was quintessential Mr. Skin material because there was a huge lesbian scene with Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon. When I was a teenager, to say I wasn't into that would be a fucking lie. And that's all it was at the time. But this is a Wachowski's movie. And it's really good. It's a really good, like, neo-noir type film with... I think it, I didn't actually realize this till I looked further into it. First really major like lead role for Pantoliano, like a lead role. Yeah. Which I seemed like so. he'd been around before that for some reason. But well, he had been. I mean, he was in Goonies. He was around forever. Yeah. But Yeah. La Bamba. Uh, but, right, uh, but he, like a lead role, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It took an independent film, you know, to kind of like recognize where, you know, 
he belonged. Uh, and we're glad to hear about it. That you watching that film yeah. and enjoying it for its content and its worth. Yeah, Burt Lancaster. Yeah. As a mature adult now, I look at this film and it has a really forward-thinking, progressive kind of feel to it because these are women who are strong, they like sex, and they're not being like they're not playing stereotypes in this movie. It's really well done. I liked it a lot. I strongly recommend Bound. If, you, if someone's never saw it, if you never gave it a chance or you just missed it, uh, please check it out. I think you'd be doing yourself a favor. And then uh, A Walk in the Woods with Robert Redford and Nick Nolte. <laughs> How was that? I got to tell you, man, I really, really enjoyed it. And I've been I had, eyeing it for a while. I should watch it. I All would right. strongly recommend it. I really would. I didn't even, I had no idea this movie was about. I just had the title. And I didn't really <laughs> know what was going to happen here. And you got yeah. Nolte and Redford. Nolte and Redford on an adventure together. That's, it's so, pretty good. Sounds what, great. I don't know what I don't want. No, I didn't pull the trigger sooner. Yeah, Famous humorist Dave Barry. Is that am I thinking this right? The guy that wrote it. He's oh, like, the humorist. Like, yeah. Oh, the guy who used to be a humorist in the Miami Herald or yeah, mm -hmm, something I like think, that. Is that Dave? I didn't know that he did that. He had that TV show where uh, the guy from Night Court played him. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all, wow. You say Dave Barry and. Uh, that's that guy true. Night Court shows up in my brain. So Nightcourt. Yes. that's what I can contribute uh, to this conversation. <laughs> uh, he wrote, uh, yeah, Dave Bear. I forgot about him. Yeah. Dave's World. Dave's World. Yeah. Yeah, Dave what is that guy's name? Dave Bear. Oh, Harry Henderson. Harry yeah. Anderson. Harry <laughs> Anderson. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, the judge. <laughs> the judge. Not a uh, what's his face? He show up on the cheer he show up on cheers with the trench coat all the time and the, you know, all the watches <laughs> and shit. He was great. <laughs> wow. And, uh, 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 hello, Anton Ararenko. Thank you for joining the show. We just yes, talked about the Oscars at the beginning of the show. So if you rewind and go back to the beginning, you could catch that Oscar talk, buddy. Oh, yeah. Good times. Thank you, Anton. Thank you, Anton. We love having new members to the show, new community members. I then watched The Most Violent Year. This is a movie that kind of just disappeared. <sighs> okay. Came out. Yeah. You know, it comes out. You got Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain. You got some heavy hitters. And then I don't really hear much talk about it, but... I watched it when it came out and I totally just like didn't care. I was like, fuck this movie. But I watched it again and I really absorbed it this time in a much different way. I don't know. Maybe I was more patient, a little more uh, willing to kind of take it in more. I, I would like to recommend it. I think it was a fantastic film. It's, Who directed it? it? Do you remember? I think it was J.C. Candor. <sighs> oh, yeah. I don't even know. I You know, I, I the credits, like, I didn't uh, know. Yeah, the credits were like Chandler. so minimal. Yeah, J.C. Chandor. Why do we know that? Oh, name? He, uh, he did All Is Lost, yep, uh, which yep. is fucking, fucking incredible. It's a, speaking of Robert Redford, yeah, I'll have to give that a shot. Oh, no, well, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen The Most Violent Year. What am I talking about? Yeah, The Most Violent Year is really good. Yeah, it's <laughs> Oscar Isaac's guy. He wears this brown beige like trench coat the whole movie. He just looks so good in it. He wears turtlenecks. It's so early 80s, late 70s. <laughs> oh, he does look, I mean, he looks like right out of a Scorsese film in this movie. Yes, like, really that's. Does. That's a good way of putting it. He looks so weird straight out movie, of something. Movie starring Oscar Isaacs and Jessica Chastain is just so gorgeous. My eyes just cross when I see her. And I'm looking at him more than I am her. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he just glows in this film and he's so he's so good. It's it's really good, yeah. Oscar Isaac. So and I don't know if you guys have seen any of the footage of him doing like prepping to play Moon Knight, but he's gonna kick some fucking ass as Moon Knight. I haven't. I'm sure Eric has because that's what Eric does. But I have not done that. So I've, I've watched I some of the like some of the footage that he's released of him training and stuff, and like it looks fucking awesome. I didn't even know he's playing the villain. Knight. What's that? 
Ethan Hawke's going to be the villain in that. Yeah, that's very wow. exciting. I didn't know Oscar Isaac was playing Moon Knight, so that's news to yeah. me. Yeah, just... Mark Spector. You too, Moon Knight. I dig around tonight on the internet on that. <laughs> sounds like Moon Knight. <laughs> My temper. <laughs> so dumb. That's good. Well done. Well done. Uh, of course. And then I watched another Oscar Isaac movie that kind of came and went. I think this was supposed to be bigger than it was. I don't know if it worked. Uh, it's about a really important and relevant topic, though. It's called The Promise 2016 oh, with Christian Bale yeah. and uh, Charlotte Le Bon. Those are like the three leads. Oscar Isaac, Christian Bale, and Charlotte Le Bon. It's about the fucking Armenian genocide. See? Like, you would think this would be... This is a huge movie. I don't know how know. bad it did at the office or how much money it lost because this is like... This is a epic movie about the World War One genocide by the Turks of the Armenians and Oscar Isaac and Christian Bale plays an American uh, newspaper writer. It's very good. It's really well done. And I don't know why um, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's got almost 200,000 uh, people rating it on IMDb, but somehow I've never even fucking heard of this movie. I've right? never heard of it. Yeah. I, I remember it. when it was, a, I remember it coming out in 2016 and I was like, Oh, that looks somewhat interesting. Cause it had the names and somehow i I stumbled upon it and I finally watched it and, it's definitely worth your time. It's very intense. Obviously, it's genocide. It's going to be heavy material, but it's really, really, really puts you in the in the time period. We're a hundred years out now from the Armenian genocide, which happened during World War One, and they did a really good job of still having an environment that seems so authentic and mixing in personal stories at the same time without making it seem cheesy. Uh, it was a tough. I think it was a tough deal to pull off, and I thought that they did it quite well. So I would like. People to maybe give that a chance if you never saw it. It's lengthy, you know. It's an epic. It's going to take a couple hours to watch. Dude, um, uh, Terry George, the guy who made the picture, fucking in the name of the Father, Hotel Rwanda. Oh, uh, the boxer, Jesus. This is another yeah. one where, like, the credits, like, it seemed like they just got right into the movie. There was no opening directed by. <laughs> so that's, yeah. it seems like that happened to me a couple of times, or else I missed it and I'm an asshole, which is also possible. But those are incredible. <laughs> yeah, those are great movies. I love his yeah. shit. Uh yeah, so and then I watched Mank. I told you guys I watched Mank. Mank I, I, Mank. I got. I'm so glad I watched it. I started watching it. And I was like, "This is a fucking bore. Why am I watching this?" <laughs> but after about a half hour or so, I started to get into the story, and then I could not get away from it. I I was just consumed by it. It was really fucking good, man. It's great, great fucking acting by Gary Oldman, who's always good, of course, but. The story and the you know the old Hollywood times are always glorified in such a way, and this was so much more of an honest look at it. I, kudos to that movie, and I'm, I apologize for not seeing it sooner. I was very happy that uh, Mess was it Messerschmitt won best uh, cinematographer. Yeah. Well, well earned, man. Oh, uh, the, the cinematography is fucking. Oh my god, some of the when, best I think I've ever seen. When Mankiewicz and. Uh, Marion are walking through San Simeon outside, and there's that gorgeous romantic scene between them. Oh, so beautiful. I mean, it's just the, the the film is littered with just gorgeous shots. Oh yeah, yeah, with the animals and the elephants in the background. Oh yeah, you're well done. I'm glad that's a well deserved reward. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a good movie. You didn't see Mank. If you saw it, it was black and white, and you didn't want to watch it. You're doing yourself a disservice. Trust me, watch it. And the movie I wanted to recommend that you were saying was, I. Flawless. I finally saw Flawless. I said I wanted to get to it with Robert De Niro yeah. and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Now these yeah. are so you got Philip Seymour Hoffman playing a 
he doesn't want to be called a drag queen, but you know, he has this debate with Robert De Niro's character, who's this asshole, like total homophobe to the max. And some of it's cheesy, like and it you came know, out coming... in '99, I think, right? Or yes. Like yeah. 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 So, like, you gotta remember that if you want. No, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's worth remembering because, like, there's some trash language in there. Oh yeah, like that's just it's gonna be as homophobic as you could imagine because that's what's going on in this story. Right. But Philip Seymour Hoffman's does have incredible range. He's not like two or three notes. I mean, he played he played this character and he played the Boogie Nights character, which are both gay characters back to back. He could be. He could be anything. He could be Capote. He could be a hardcore motherfucker in Mission Impossible. I mean, this guy or could most be most wanted man. Like, think of him like a most wanted man. Yes. That, that, that is not like, you know, that's not the flu. Or that's, and that's, I, mean, I, I mean, your joke was funny. But he, 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 I, I mean, and I do think he, he did sometimes get a little compartmentalized in those two places. But yeah, he, the man had some fun. Dude, a long game poly. Hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Total bozo comedy. This guy, he could do it all. You're right. And Flawless uh, is a solid film. I don't know if it's a... I don't know if it's a great film, but it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a great roles and performances. If you want to see De Niro and Hoffman go head to head, kind of a generational yeah. changing of the guard there, I think it's worth your time. It was so. a movie that for me, between that and Talented Mr. Ripley is what really catapulted him into like my favorite actor status. Because I remember watching Flawless and being like, I went to go see that movie because I'm like, oh, you know, a Bob De Niro is going to play like a stroke victim. Like this is going to be heavy. Like this is going to be like awakenings. Like he's going to be like top of his form and he's completely yeah. outshined through the whole fucking film. <laughs> it's not even close. You're right. Not I even completely close. agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. For me, it was always the, the boogie nights role where I was like, Whoa, who the fuck is this guy? And it, I mean, that's when well, I yeah, changed for I mean, that. that that's but I didn't see flawless. I wish I'd seen Flawless in this movie at, in the same generational time when it came out because it would have just increased my appreciation for him even more. So, good movie, good performances. There you go. Uh, those are my recommendations this week. Uh, I watch, I'm glad. I, I've really been putting more of an effort to try to watch movies I haven't seen recently. So, thank you good for pushing you. me in that direction, guys. Appreciate that. All right, it's the Cinema Night Podcast, Cinema Night Pod, ProtonMail.com. You know how to contact us. We'd love a five-star rating. If you could take a moment to go over to Apple Pods and, you know, throw us that five-star review. Say, hey, this show's great. You're going to love it. Five stars. Click submit, and you can move on with your life. And if you have something else more personal to say, we would welcome that, wouldn't we? I think yeah, we would. Absolutely. Yeah. That depends on how personal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah. that's true. Yeah. That <laughs> Don't want to hear yes. the results of your proctology exam. Ooh, well, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, I can roll with that. Uh, But yes, but please, five-star review and Apple Pods only helps grow the show. And, you know, we've done the show for every year. We want to keep doing it. So if other people like it, we hope other people that don't know about it will like it when they find it. Because who the fuck doesn't love movies? We all love movies. Yeah, get personal. Send it. Talk about your troubled relationship from your estranged father. Are you going through a divorce? Give us a five-star review. Break it all down for us in the review and then give us five stars. So, But don't mistake your divorce for our rating. Make sure Please it's no. five. Five stars. Five stars. So. All right. Well, it's time for the main event. It's time to get to Does It Hold Up? We're going back to 2002. Phil, what are you doing? What? We're going to be late for Bible study. You're stoned. You got paint in your hair. What'd you get in the shower, dummy? I completely didn't remember. Get in the shower. Working on your spiritual life? Yeah, I guess. Ain't that a hoot and a holler? 
What do you mean? I saw you, Justine. You saw me what? I saw you. We got some things to talk about, you and me. You come by my house tomorrow after work. If you know what's good for you. Now, there was some struggles to find this film, unfortunately. For those of you that don't know, I, I didn't think it would be that big a deal, but uh, it was really difficult to find this film anywhere. And I feel bad about that. I, I wish it wasn't like that. I thought it had Jennifer Aniston, it had John C. Riley. I mean, there's relevant actors, and it's not like a movie from 1910. So I I just don't know why that happened, but Dude, we all did our best. Props to uh, Danielle Cat05 for uh, <laughs> posting the uh, film on YouTube in 2009. If only you would have uploaded parts three and six, we could have. Uh, watched oh, and the, the climax of the film would have been nice. That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, but where would we be? Where would we be without any of that? Thank you, Daniel Cat. Yeah, luckily, I'd seen the movie before. You know, I saw it when it came out, so I, I was able to recall it. And I got I watched most of the movie. Um, had to read some Wikipedia synapses for some parts. Apparently, you know, like we were making jokes together on our on our uh, on our text thread that there was like some sort of scorched earth, scorched earth policy going on with this film and someone was trying to <laughs> scrub it from all existence. But being that most of it is on YouTube for free since 2009. Again, thank you, Daniel Cato five. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 it seems like seven must, years ago. Yeah, there must not be. <laughs> there must not. I mean, the, the demand simply must not really be there, I guess. I don't know. I mean, there's so many dumb, pointless movies on the internet. It's just very strange. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, so Travis, you said you saw this when it came out. Take us back in time, man. 2002, 2003. Um, you know, like I, I watched it as a, uh, I was interested in, in it being a follow up to Donnie Darko, pretty much. And, you know, like I was, you know, I was interested in the young Jake Gyllenhaal's career. This, oh. this is one of the first things he did after that that was, um, you know, somewhat prominent. And I was, of course, interested in Jennifer Aniston doing like an indie picture. I mean, here she was, I believe, Friends. What? When year did Friends end? Like 2004. Oh, four. Yeah. yeah. So she was still fucking doing Friends. Yeah. And she does this independent film. So I was interested in that. And, uh, you know, and going back and watching it now, like uh, what a cast. But yeah, that, so I, I watched it for, for them, too. And then I had I'd not watched it since. But uh, I, I watched it, I, I think, on video. Video VHS. I rented it from a blockbuster video, more than likely, (laughs) that I worked at. Unbelievable. Well, Eric, we know you hadn't seen this movie before, so you don't really have a story to go back on. Can't offer anything in terms of uh, first viewing because it was last night. I I'd always hear about it and kind of get it confused with like Secretary or like one of them like small pictures with a female lead that was like half controversial as I, I couldn't remember anything about it and Wait, hang, hang on real quick have you not seen the secretary no i've never seen secretary oh you should, you should really see the secretary really yeah. yes i'm not a big maggie gyllenhaal fan you oh well then you might not like it love james spader though isn't he like a total creep scumbag in the movie I, I, w- I would strongly recommend the secretary personally. okay uh i've never really cared for jennifer aniston um like i only saw friends like for the first time like last year Okay, she's not even my favorite friend. Wait, wait, what does that mean though? Like you invested in watching the show because you've seen Friends. Is that what you mean? I I had never seen it until last year. Like it was out in the background of a house I'd go to, but I've never sat down and watched episodes of it until like last year. 
That's fine. what I mean. Okay. But I, you know that one girl that everyone seems to like just be enamored with, but like you just don't see the appeal. You're like, it seems like a nice person, but like, what, what is this? Like, it's kind of how I've been with Jennifer Aniston like my whole life. So hmm. I was interested to see uh, this much talked about, like, um, you know, proper, legit acting performance from her. So, yeah. Well, it is from 2002. I remember seeing it on DVD within like a year or so after it came out. I didn't see it in theater or anything like that, of course. And uh, when I did see it, I was really, really, really like, wow, this is great. This is really kind of an underrated film. I'm not a Jennifer Aniston lover. I wasn't back then. I wasn't a Friends fanatic. I was just a regular old human being who watched movies. And I loved... <laughs> I really loved Tim Blake Nelson's role in this. Uh, I remember that. I used to run around doing, I would say, bits about him here and there to myself. Uh, I just thought he was really funny in this film. And there was a sense of, I didn't even give a shit about Jake Gyllenhaal, even though we had seen Donnie Darko and that, you're right, you are setting the proper tone, Travis. Um, but for some reason, that um, wasn't as important to me. I don't know why. Well, I remember being excited about Tim Blake Nelson, too, because it was also, because wasn't uh, Oh Brother 2001 or 2000. So, like, mm -hmm. they, they, you know, he was, you know, he, had, he didn't do, that much immediately after I mean, he's been pretty consistently working but it, it's not like he, he didn't like blow up after uh what like you'd think maybe he would have <laughs> if yeah, anything right. john c Riley was at maybe even his prime uh nominated for an oscar that year for chicago and he's yes. fucking yeah. fantastic in the hours coming off magnolia working with marty scorsese yeah. so he was yeah. huge in 2002 that's a yeah. really good point you're right yeah, right about that uh, Gary uh, Crafton wants to know, does it hold up against the <laughs> Leprechaun? And I, I can't speak to that. Uh, well, Jenny Aniston's in the Leprechaun as like the female lead. She is. Well done. You're right. Wow. I didn't think about Miserable that. uh, experience for her from what I understand. Now, recast the good girl with Warwick D Davis in Jake Gyllenhaal's role. <laughs> well, not even Warwick Davis. The Leprechaun. What am I talking about? Just the Leprechaun. Like Warwick Davis has the Leprechaun in that role. <laughs> I'm holding. Entirely different yeah. movie. <laughs> Tom is my slave name. Ugh. Cringe. Be, what a fucking be, line. Uh, yeah, I mean, Big we'll get into that. Yes, that it, there's not a lot of to like about that character, but oh, really? anybody gets the rating on this one on imdb.com? 6.3. 6.3? I'm going to say 6.5. Yeah, 6.4. I'll go right in the middle. We're all right there. And it's a 6.3. What do you know? It's not a terrible film, but it's about average, according to... Uh, it's also very... 43,000 people. You know, we were talking about how many people rate a movie. It gives you an idea of how many people watch it or actually care to engage on a rating of it. So that's not a lot. Rotten Tomatoes, though. Critics loved it. 82%. Audience score. We got a dumped over bucket of popcorn, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. 50, what is... 50? 59%. Just yeah, yeah. under 60. I think 60 is the threshold. Yeah, so. I think so. But that is a disparity, 82 to 59. And the critics back in the day, you know, like you said, Eric. They loved it. Know. Yeah. There's a lot of critical acclaim. Uh, Derek Adams was one guy from Time Out who said, I wish I could say I liked it more, but despite a smattering of priceless moments, the good girl gets bogged down in the very narrowness that afflicts Justine. Hmm. hmm. Anybody? I don't know if that's cool or not. But uh, we got Dessen. I'm looking for him right now. We're gonna grind it for Dessen. I feel like he was active back in 2002. Uh, like I said, tons of positive, not a complete success, but enchanting performances, and one especially superior showing by Aniston, making it a decent watch. That's what the Joe Blow Movie Network says, and Joe Blow knows movies. That's for sure. 
Destiny yeah. ref me. Yeah. 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 Peter Travers, Raj, what do you got there? I know. I'm looking for the, oh, here, the big guns here. Um, Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post said, it's tough, astringent, darkly funny, and well, it's also generic, untidy, <laughs> condescending, and mild of impact rather than stunning. I love that he took the time to type the well, comma. Eh. <laughs> he certainly did. He certainly did. Here we go. Here's your boy, Eric. Roger Ebert says, Aniston has at last decisively broken with her friend's image in an independent film of satiric fire and emotional turmoil. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, audiences, I'm, I'm sure they went in thinking it was picture perfect too, or, or some like like Polly or some thirteen going on thirty. You know what to expect. I don't know if that's true. I mean, it wasn't marketed like that. Like it was marketed pretty well and barely. Like I mean, like the mo- mostly the fact that she was in it was probably most of the that was probably most of the marketing right there. Hey, she's that's in a good it. Point. Um, but like w- w- there were previews and stuff, and it wasn't being billed like that. Like it was. It, mm. I mean, I, I remember like I accidentally watched one of the previews when I was trying to watch the fucking movie <laughs> on YouTube last night. Um, took me a second to realize what I was watching. I figured, fuck it, I might as well finish it. And it was, uh, you know, it was very much like a straight you know, representative. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I figured it was because it wasn't. I remember seeing previews for it and being like, oh, this looks like a movie that's kind of off the beaten path a little bit. It wasn't something yeah. that I would assume is, oh, she's a. Uh, She's gonna change bodies with Jake Gyllenhaal, and some wackiness is gonna turn out. No, it, it looked, it looked different. It looked offbeat. Like, yeah. And lastly, Peter Travers says a creepy, funny, steamy, oddly touching movie. So it's steamy and oddly touching all at once. How about that? I like my movies to be creepy and steamy, <laughs> and oddly cool. touching, and I've oddly seen body touching. heat. Ah, I've, uh, I've definitely I've seen Buddy. Seen yeah. Oh, seen I've definitely eat. seen it. Love me some Buddy. Uh, okay, so I couldn't find Destin. I tried. Destin's yeah, been right. missing a little bit. He, on, he yes. doesn't My love life is empty. Pers- I know. It's My life is empty same. without you, Destin. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, but this is obviously one of the big parts of this movie is that Jennifer Aniston is the big figure here, even though John C. Riley's a well-known actor, but he's not like the guy he is today where he's known universally to everybody. You know, he was on his way, sure, and people who knew movies definitely knew who he was, but this is a Aniston film with an up-and-coming cast of certain people that know how to do their jobs quite well. You even got, what's-his-face, uh, the guy who plays in the Zodiac. I love yeah, that guy. John, John Carroll Lynch in, in the most convincing, as like the most convincing grocery store manager in history. I mean, like it's it's really just too bad how, I mean, this is this is my note that I have for him. I where Where is it? Yeah. Well, actually, I'll read two notes. Tim Blake Nelson, lesbian slut. And right below that, John Carroll Lynch, a believable grocery store manager. That's that's very... <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that, great, too. <laughs> amazing notes. Those are interesting notes. But yes, you know, he. I, there's so many good little roles in this movie. That's why I like this movie originally, because there's all these little pieces coming together to make a great cast. But Zoe Dachanel is just like doesn't give a fuck about anything. She'll put makeup on anybody and she hates her job. And there's also this sense of ice isolation. Like does other people feel like I do? That's what this movie's kind of about. I feel like shit or am I alone here? Are other people feeling the same way? Dude, it's 2002, man. This was like the playbook in the early 2000s, especially when, it, when Alexander Payne came along with his middle-aged and turmoil, hating life in the most boring city in the entire fucking world. This was a heyday. I mean, these characters literally unite over a shared hatred of the world, unquote. Like, that's what they say. Like, <laughs> you hate the world. I hate the world. Like, 
let's have a good time with that. Well, oh yeah, with uh, the two characters, with Jill and Hall and Anderson. Right, yes, right. They... That's what I'm saying. The characters hate the world, and that's what unites them in the beginning. Yeah, it opens with a narration of Aniston. Oh, you like, like that? You like that voiceover? You like her convincing Texas accent in that voiceover? You know, you read the trivia on this, and it <laughs> says, according to reports, Jennifer Aniston worked really hard with a vocal coach mastering that Texas accent prior to shooting. Mastering? Who was her vocal yeah. coach? Colonel Sanders? <laughs> oh. Well, you know, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it wasn't like I was like, good God. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I can't even it's, focus on this movie. This accent's awful. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was it was just kind of come and go. It was a little it was a little too light. You know what I mean? Like it, it was it was it was it was obvious in the voiceover, but less so in the like the performances, right? Was it better than Kevin Costner in Prince of Thieves? <laughs> It was better than Harrison Ford and Blade Runner. <laughs> Where am I going? How long have I got? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's the bar. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, so give me something. So what is the... Uh... What is the interest of you in this film? Because I could talk all about this shit. I want to get your guys' opinions on it. So please, give me give me a point of view here that I can jump off of. Well, I guess <laughs> The Good Girl is an ironic title. <laughs> yeah, but she is a good absolutely. girl. She was. Yes, she was a good girl. Oh, no, she's <laughs> a terrible. She's a terrible person. But um, she was a good girl. Well, she was perceived as a good girl because Correct. she was quiet. Correct. She, she was quiet and demure, and um, and and that's why and and uh, fucking snitch. Don't forget that when she's actually called a good girl in the film. Which hey, there it is. You're the good girl. Um, Roll it's, credits. It's, it's for being a snitch. But uh, yeah. Um, so, but she's actually you know not so great. It turns out, huh? That's what, what I was well? worried about going into this. <laughs> like I'm like sitting here with all these notes. I'm like. Listing all the reasons why I, I I just don't like this character at all, and yet Jennifer Aniston is has got like this softness about her, this pensivity that makes me care about her, but intensely dislike her. So I, I was worried that you guys were going to think a little bit differently and and see some of these things she's doing as not irreprehensible. But in, in my opinion, I just kind of detested the character, so it was a hard sit for me a little bit. I think we're supposed to, though, right? I mean, I don't, like we're supposed to sympathize with her to a degree, but I don't think we're supposed to like. I think it's one of those movies where, like, um, speaking of talented Mr. Ripley earlier, like where you're supposed to be on board with the character in the beginning, and as a, and as the film goes on, and they make these these choices, and you start to realize, like, oh fuck, like I'm I'm less and less on board with this person. Like, in fact, I'm starting like I, I started this movie thinking like this person's the protagonist and that this is like the you know this is the person I care about in the film. And as the film goes on, you start to realize, oh I I don't care about any of these people actually. Yeah. Um, oh I don't care about any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> but you like um Justine from the start. Mm. Like I thought immediately I was like oh this woman's mean to this bubbly nice co-worker. She like her husband just gets what? off a long day of work. Kidding me? He, are you what are you talking me? about? Get the fuck out of here. That what? woman is beyond annoying as fuck. I can't stand so she's not her co-worker. Which yeah, like Gwen? Gwen, the one yeah. who dies from the berries, you know, the poisoning yeah. of the berries. Yeah. She Never is rushed. so all she does. This is what bothered me about her death and what Justine starts to feel really bad, which is a compounding of her having an affair with Holden. Okay. Which is not his fucking name. Anyways, Tom. 
Tom is his name. So she's having an affair with Tom. She feels bad about that. Then Gwen dies. So it gets compounded into this super pain for her. But all Gwen ever did was tell her. She sat in judgment of her every fucking time. Oh, you shouldn't have two bows. Uh, you guys, you don't eat right. You know, chicken and cheese and dairy. It's, it's like, what was the purpose and value of this person in your life? Except to judge you 24 right. 7. Even but when yeah, she yeah, wasn't she was even. Annoying. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, she was like a like. What I found interesting is that like when she dies, like you know, Justine feels bad. She's like, I was such a bad friend, but like, just like I've, I've seen her a few before. She's talking about how much she hates Gwen, right? Uh, and right. she like, bails on her when she's sick as fuck in the hospital to go fuck right. Tom. Right. <laughs> That's true. You're right. So there, it's a bunch of hypocrisy everywhere and confusion. And in a sense, that's why I appreciated this movie when I was younger. That like I thought. Maybe I thought at the time that, yeah, this is what life's like. And, and I'm sure, and I'm sure of this, and I'm probably not proud of it today, but I absolutely was like, could understand Tom and his plight and how life was so challenged for him. Because he, we were the same age. What, he's supposed to be like, what, like 20 22. or something, right? 22. Exactly. That's exactly the age we were at the time. Yeah. So I was like, I'm sure. Not proud of it, but I was like, I probably liked the movie more because I connected with him and he found someone he could connect with. And I was like, alienation and blah, 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 and all that jazz. Not proud hey, of it, but it's power true. to you for admitting it. Uh, Thank I'm you. Not, Thank I'm not you. sure I could admit that, but he was super <laughs> fucking emo. I mean, like without oh! listening to emo, like he's the most emo character in film history, maybe. Um, <laughs> Next to, to Donnie Darko? <laughs> I mean, way more emo even than Donnie Darko. To the point that when she like when he's like groveling in the, in her car and calling her a whore and stuff, and she like literally kicks him out of her car, I'm like, I can't even blame you right now. This guy's so annoying. Or like and like, but also at the same time, like <laughs> at one point she's like, I don't think I've thought this through. Like, no shit, lady. Like, <laughs> she, has, she has like this day with this guy who's clearly like a really sensitive dude, like over, like really really sensitive. You know, he's like immediately falling in love with you, and like you have this day like out, out in the park, whatever. And you're like cuddling together, and like and like you're talking about real shit, and he's just like babbling about his parents giving him money because he's like the yeah. most coddled kid ever to write his book. Right, and just like uh, he's just he's just and then he'll disappear like Holden does in the, the novel. The same thing, the Catcher in the Rye. He's just obsessed with this Catcher in the Rye right. in, in his immediate world. He doesn't see reality at all. Right, he's like utterly romantic, and which which makes her betrayal of him so tragic because like you know that the reason that he shoots himself is because he knows who turned him in. He knows why the cops show up uh, there. Like there's only one person that could have said you know that could have turned him in and, and where you know so um and, and so her like the movie's about her using this young man um to like she's she's bored she's she's uh unhappy in her position in her life and she and the movie starts in the voiceover she's looking at him and she's saying like she's looking for is it, she says something like is this my last best hope for escape and by the end of the movie he's got 20 grand and a gun which to him thinks hey new life um and she and he's offering that right but she doesn't when it's actually presented to her, it's a radical maneuver, sure, and it's uh against the law and she could be on the run, but an opportunity to really go for a new life. But speaking of opportunities, what a wasted opportunity to have this scene where you set up the car. If you take if I take a right, I go towards a hotel. If I take a left, I go towards work. And then they just cut. They don't show the car turn left or right. Like, come on, man. Show, show the car. It shows you like walking into work next. So, like, you figure it out. But, like, the emotional yeah. impact of, like, seeing the car from behind or something then taking a left. Like, that's a that's an easy one, uh, Flan de Coco. What were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like this movie was terribly long in runtime either. Uh, I'm sure there was time for it. 
Yeah, you know, I I really like the the way this guy Miguel Artera sets the film from the point of view of Justine. It'd be really easy to just go ahead and cut to this conflict at the hotel and and watch all of this stuff happen to Tom and stuff. In my opinion, when they cut to him, like looking out the window in the rain, that's a little bit of a cheat. I think that's the one time we see any character and it's not from like Justine's point of view. But I kind of dug that, even though it kind of seems like Hall gets like written out of the picture and they're just like, uh, oh, yeah, let's just say he shot himself. But other than that, I do like the ending for the character. And it's hard for me to really passionately dislike Tom because, dude, I fucking walked around with a copy of Catcher in the Rye like some asshole, too. <laughs> and as much as he attempts to emulate this character, he's not that much like Holden. Holden has a profound respect for women, and Tom seems like he's just trying to use her to fuck her. He's a total like creep to her in... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's just it doesn't mesh like that whole Holden and Tom thing never really I never saw that connection as a, as a huge fan of that book that might be part of the point right and mm. that like he's not like Holden like he's romanticized the character mm. he's romanticized the book in the way that so many people before him have <laughs> the point yeah. that it's a cliche like yeah. um because he's just like this lost little boy you know who's like who like and like, and also like, I'm curious at how good his work is. Like, she asked him, like, "What do you write?" And like, most people like, like 22, like, "What do you write?" Like, you know. But he's like, uh, he writes books, he writes now, you know, he writes novels, he writes screenplays, he writes plays, he writes po- like this is a productive uh, writer, and maybe he's fucking great. Who knows? Uh, well, she I, says I, he. It's a. Uh, it's more like a story about a story when she reads his work. She does read his work, and she's disappointed. Who's to say she's the best critic or not? But that was yeah, her. Who knows, man? She says that both of the stories she read are about a depressed guy who kills himself. Well, that's every <laughs> Salinger book, so I guess maybe he at least copies his work somewhat. Well, he's a young guy. He's growing. Like I, I mean, he's 22 to have your life figured out. Fuck that shit. I mean, that's ridiculous. I'm not trying to excuse his behavior at all, but I mean, it's completely reasonable for that guy, for his character to be where he is at that time in his life and trying to figure shit out and that to have it all go so sour and then just have his life end. I almost, almost, almost feel bad for the guy. I really do. But you got, dude, you got Jake Gyllenhaal in full, like dopey weirdo mode. And he was probably right around that age too. He's fucking incredible in it. Yeah. By the end, it starts to get a little irritating, but He's fucking awesome in the movie. He's such a great talent, even at that early age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he always, he's always been someone to watch. He does. He has a good balance of like containing the rage, but then lashing out with the whininess. Yeah, you're right. I completely agree. I'd... On the other hand, I mean, now I, I felt like John C. Riley was a little wasted in this role a little bit like i mean there's a lot of sitting around stoned on a couch here's what you're, um, gonna, you're gonna smoke weed on a couch for most of this movie he's got the best line of the movie which is uh what is it i'm i don't know what to say about jesus i'm stoned that's a really great line <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> oh then i'm definitely not going to bible study or <laughs> like that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's you're freaking some, me out right now right he's got yeah. some pretty like pretty much most of the best mo- moments in the movie i think are him like the the moments of levity and stuff but like the best most levity are getting your corner bets with tim blake nelson though that's personally my favorite <laughs> get your corner bets get your corner just yelling at this dog who has no respect for him whatsoever so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i totally yeah, but agree you're right. uh the bozos. 
good bozo team. Go ahead. Absolutely, <laughs> a great bozo team. Yeah. One of my favorite, even though towards the end, I was like, all right, let's get let's wrap this up. My favorite scene was probably that end and uh, and that beautiful uh, performance by John C. Riley. I mean, he's really the only person that like changes at the end and his earnestness his earnestness when he's accepting that things have to move on he's like the complete antithesis of tom who wants everything to stay the same and to never change and to never grow up i love that honesty when he just says yeah yeah things are going to be different this is good this is what you've wanted your whole life for things to change and i can't really tell is he he really going to stop being stoned on the couch all the time no, no. As a, as a person who spends a lot of time stoned on the couch, I can tell you he's not going to fucking change. Yeah. Well, he might be a good dad. I don't know, but he will still be stoned on the couch. Yes. Right. He'd probably be a so. gentle and good dad, but but yeah, mm. I mean, he's not going to really pacifist. Change. Yes. Her life is not going to drastically change. She's going to be happy to have a kid. Yeah. But like, I don't think her life is really good. Like, that's to me, that's part of like the tragedy. I'm sorry. To, I cut you off here. Go ahead. You're, you're in the middle. I think if your theory is, is true, I tend to disagree with it. The last scene wouldn't be them happy in bed together celebrating this beautiful life it'd probably be her taking care of the kid looking in there and he's fucking still on the other couch i think they're making it a point to say that he changed so she should maybe change too that's what i got out of it well he was willing to fix the tv when she bitched about it you know like she he would he was ready to help her he just wasn't always like actively aware of these issues uh, he just had to just be dumb. told he's basically <laughs> like you're yeah right he's just stoned he's just stoned no. and, and unmotivated just, but right he's he the worst he's the worst best friend in like world history but um, yeah you know the <laughs> fact that he you know he turns tim black nelson's character turns into this total scum he's all maybe he was a scumbag the whole time but he's originally you feel bad for him when justine comes over to his house to talk about how he caught her he i seen you justine when he goes on this whole rant about how he looked up to john c riley's character and he thought he was a superman and now he's actually had a second chance at life but no only for that to happen i have to have sex with you justine first which is just the fucking worst most like diabolical scumbaggy move ever. And the fact that she goes through with it, I don't know what that even says about her, uh, a terrified fear to be caught in the truth. Uh, like why not just have it end then? If that's the truth, like say, no, I'm not fucking you tell Phil the truth. I'm moving out. She, yeah, I mean, she keeps on like making these bad choices to try and, and that's partly what lies are about, right? Like you, you know, you lie and you cover up more lies and you do you compromise and you compromise more and next thing you know you're you know sending a hit squad practically to kill your uh, boyfriend <laughs> because you, you can't quite bring yourself to give him the poison berries yourself but you I know. know that he's suicidal <laughs> yeah i mean she really gets fucking diabolical she'll fuck this guy that she doesn't want to it's not really fucking he's fucking her or whatever but she allows him to fuck her and then she's thinking about killing dom and like she goes down a path real quick yeah yeah, and she doesn't even seem that upset when Tom talks about uh, killing uh, her husband. Like she's just like whatever the fuck, so that I come out on top and I'm not sad anymore because it's all about me and my feelings. Sit on his parents' couch, talk about what an asshole their son is. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so cruel. Going to her parents' house and lying about I mean, she's just oh. cruel to him. Also, by the way, John Doe from X just hanging out with like no lines as her as his father. <laughs> 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 just yep. okay, there's John Doe just hanging out, less distracting than Alice Cooper in uh, Prince of Darkness, but still we're kind of distracting. <laughs> it's hard I to know that guy from Great Balls of Fire, I think. So this character though is so complex. Like I can't. I'm watching that. I'm trying to figure out if she 
truly wants to be happy or if she just wants other people to share in her unhappiness it's hard to tell for me i don't think she cares one or the other if she doesn't care like what is the point of this story that's that's kind of wait. one of the problems i have with the movie wait wait say that again wait, wait. i was i was thinking about john doe too much sorry he's i don't understand her motivation or what she wants out of any of these situations except maybe a baby which she thinks will make her life better Ah, and if that's the case, then that's an issue that you have with this film, Travis. That there, she really has no motivation. Well, I mean, it just like like well, Eric said, like what's like what is the point of this film? Like what what is the moral story? Like what what's going on here? And I'm and I'm, I'm not sure. That's I mean, it's I'm not, not sure like really. that though. Um, what do you mean? Like it's not like if there's no moral. You mean? I I think it's about like like this is life. Like the just a bunch of people trying to understand each other in a series of bad choices, good choices. It, this is all life is. Decisions are made and consequences are a result of it. And I think the, one of the only points of the film is that they're trying, people are trying to find out if other people feel like they do inside because they're keeping it all bottled up or not. Or maybe they aren't and they're perfectly content and you're the one who's isolated and alone. I think that's one of the points of the story. I think all, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that there's something, there's definitely something going on about like uh, being frustrated with where you're at and um, like, you know, casting about and looking for change and anything that you can, but really it's not like the place that needs to change. It's not the people around you. It's probably something in you that needs to change. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like there's, I mean, she's, <laughs> Uh, she's surrounded by people that suck. I mean, the, the only person that doesn't suck in her life pretty much is Zooey Deschanel's character, right? Like, she's like the only <laughs> person that isn't a, a complete fucking void. Um, Circle I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I'm like, the, the, she has, I mean, like, in her, like, yeah, her husband's not that bad. But like, when I've talked about, when I, when I said lesbian slut earlier, like, these are the kind of conversations she has to sit around and listen to. Like, yeah. the, these fucking bozos sitting around ruining her. that scene. Actually, her crying about the ruined couch hit me harder than any scene in this whole movie because, um, like, I've been poor. I've known lots of poor people and I know, like, how hard it is to finally have that nice fucking thing. You finally have like <laughs> this nice thing. And then some fucking careless person in your house destroys it callously because they're careless. And, and it's like, fuck, like, it's just like this thing. It's just like this couch or like whatever, but like I'm broke as fuck all the time. And I finally got this nice thing and you don't even notice cause you're so in your own shit. And you've just sat down and painted a big blue butt on my couch. And she like cries about it. I thought that scene was really great. Yeah, you know, I gotta say, like, I'm amused by Tim Blake Nelson and John C. Riley, but these exchanges, like, like, um, her husband is uh, is sweet to her. He he may not be as as loving as she wants, but uh, he talks about how much he appreciates her. The guy seems to work really hard. And he just wants to go home no. and smoke weed. <laughs> and watch TV. He wants it to rain every day, so yes. he doesn't have to work anymore. What do you mean he work? He likes to work real hard. I guess so. Blow out think, work yeah. all day long. I think there's a difference yeah, between so. docile and sweet. I don't know how sweet. I mean, he's not cruel. He punches her at the end of the movie. I don't think sweet people do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. That's my it. other point is, how many <laughs> employees do they need at this uh, rodeo retail? Because I got a fucking Dollar General that's twice as big, and there's one dude in there. <laughs> it was well, it was 2002. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the last okay. gasp of a full-staffed right. 
marketplace. Right. You, you, you <laughs> go to yeah, you go to rodeo retail now. No one's getting any makeup done there. You're not getting a makeover. Right. All the ma- all the all the aisles are like you know they've dragged the candy stand in yeah. front of the aisles and close it down permanently. Get a makeover at Dollar General. You know, often I actually think about just walking out with my goods now, at like a Meyer or CVS, because I'm just waiting forever. I'm like, there's nobody here to stop me. I mean, like, who cares? I'm just leaving. It actually crosses my mind legitimately more often. Even now. after that insane woman ran after you because you didn't take your receipt, Mike? We heard that story. Shit, God. <laughs> right. That's a good point. Maybe that's in my mind. I've, yeah, that was, yeah, that in was your fucking mind. intense. And she, <laughs> to Travis's point about, she knows what it's like to be poor. Why wouldn't she understand and be more empathetic? I don't know. What was that lady's problem? Poor lady. I got, and again, I, I don't want to harp on it, but these movies where these people are super unhappy, they're miserable. And yeah. yet, instead of talking about it and maybe thinking about it or even bringing up a separation, they just are unfaithful. It always bugs me. Why does it bug you? This is what happens. I think it's realistic. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, th- I, think yeah. It, I think it's pretty realistic for people to cast about and try and find something to make them feel better at this point. You know, I, I, th- I think it's pretty yeah. realistic. People don't like right. confrontation more often than not. Yeah, I would that's say. True. I would that's say. True. Oh, that's very true. I hate. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, like the two bombs say in office space. Oh, we like to fire people on Friday. Less confrontation. <laughs> better. Yeah. But I actually see a good opportunity here for a follow up. You just kind of got my <laughs> thinking about it. Tim Blake Nelson and John C. Riley, two stoner buddies on the run. There's a better movie in here, I think, with these two guys in a stoner buddy comedy. I oh, really shit. think there is a possible better film within this Paint, one. Painting houses with like no G on painting. Yeah, like throwing some Pineapple Express hijinks, you know, who knows? It could be I'd, interesting. I'd watch that movie more than once, even if I didn't like it, just to make sure. I'd watch I'd watch it twice at least. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I knew you would. That's funny. <laughs> I just I want at least a John Carroll Lynch cameo, though. I don't, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, 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 dude. They'll go yeah. to retail rodeo. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe give him some weed. Like get, get Mike stoned. White in there in his little uniform and be like, "Hey guys, let's do some Bible study." <laughs> he was cool yeah. too. He was cool too. He was, he was, he was great. He's great. a writer. Yeah, that's yeah. Mike White. He wrote that. Yeah. He wrote Orange County. Um, um, yeah, he's done oh, a that's, another big one too. He yeah. did. Uh, um, oh shoot, what else did he? Freaks do? and he's Geeks in Orange he used County, to work right? on he's, too. He's done a ton of stuff. Those. He's done a yeah. ton of stuff. Um, God, I, I just I was thinking about him. Anyways, but yeah, he's got so that he, face. Yeah, he's got that, he's that got a face. face. He's a white person <laughs> with a face. Yeah. Um, he says something school, funny school about when they wish him happy, happy Halloween. Rock. Oh, yeah, School yeah. of Rock. Thank you. He also wrote uh, The One and Only Ivan, which I'm actually watching right now and had no idea that he wrote it. Wow. <laughs> that was, that was halfway through that when the podcast started. That's funny. Hell yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Gary Crafton says he's down with his stoner buddy spinoff as long as Will Ferrell isn't in it. I mean, if we're going to have a stoner <laughs> movie with John C. Riley, I mean, we're going we're well, to have to have Will Ferrell show up. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> Taquito. Oh, yeah. Taquito. But, <laughs> yeah, but there. Oh, shit. My point was that. Um, Oh, he's houses? so funny. Mike White is hilarious, but because he says something about Happy Halloween to them. Like, no, I'm like, not oh, a pagan, thanks. so I'm not going to celebrate. He's just got so letter of the law biblical. I loved it. It was really fun. He like half jokingly says to Justine, like, oh, good luck in eternal hellfire. I'm oh, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like awkward as hell. He did a really good job. That's you know what, he came from that world, which he did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You got to know some of that yeah. stuff to write. Yeah. It. I agree. You can't fake that. Like he definitely <laughs> came from that shit. But then, but then I mean, in again, the end, in the end, yeah, in the end, that's what 
always drew me to the movies. All these little characters add up and I enjoy the film, even if they're not good people. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't base a film on whether I like it or not. If the people are good, I, I look at entertainment. I look at the, the stories that I'm intrigued. Uh, do I find some type of lesson or not even a lesson, not a lesson. Fuck that. Fuck that. Do I find some type of dramatic interest that draws me in? If it's a drama, shit like that. And that's, yeah, that's what I originally liked the movie. Cause it was a great cast. Yeah, there's a the hell of a cast. It's like there's these little moments and scenarios that 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 I can totally appreciate. That's why it seems like it's kind of like an amalgam of other better movies. Small like scenes that are enjoyable, but as a whole, I feel like I don't know if the sum of its parts is 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 for me. Well, uh, if there's nothing else to say, we I guess we can uh, get to it. We can put a bow on this one. Uh, I'll go first because I chose it, and I love this movie. It's a lot of fun. I love the characters, and I do get annoyed by them, which is also a good thing in my opinion. I mean, if a character can elicit a response from me, I take that as a positive. I think that's uh, that means they invest in the part. They tried. Uh, the writing could be good, which it is. I think the writing is rock solid. It's not like Academy Award worthy, but it's rock solid. There's some good jokes. There's stoner buddy comedies mixed in. There's depressed people. I'm always down with depressed people. It's, I'm, it's always going to be cool with me. Uh, mistakes are made. People living life in a simple town, you know, not having a lot of opportunity and wealth and all that stuff. I actually enjoy those stories more than, you know, the fucking bourgeoisie movie I watched, which was a good movie. But, like, I enjoy these types of films. So, to me... I think it still holds up because all the lessons and all the experiences and all the pain and all the joy, they're all things that would still happen today. I didn't watch the movie and feel any less than I generally did 20 years ago. I, I might not have loved Jake Gyllenhaal's character as much as I used to. might have a lot less love for that character, but it's still really well done. So to me, it, it holds up. Yeah. I mean, just tack on a few more comments. Uh things move really quick in this movie. I got a little bit of an issue with the editing. Like just when I'm starting to settle into this kind of, all right, what do we got here? This little tryst between Holden and this is kind of interesting. All of a sudden he like quits his job and gives her this letter and it all feels super abrupt to me. And things seem to move a little bit fast. It's these small moments that aren't so plot driven that, that resonate with me. Like those, those like the, the stoner stuff and like the uh, stuff with Corky and, I, 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 at the end, like he, you gotta like blame it on this poor fucking guy, Mike White, and have him get the shit cocked out of him. Like you guys, you might laugh at that, Mike, but that like bugs me. Like I don't like that sort of stuff. For me, dude, there's other movies that had this offbeat deal going on that I thought were written a little bit better and stood out for me in the long run. Probably because I was at least rooting for the main character and I knew what their objective was. And it was interesting to see them try to get there. For me, this is just Jennifer Aniston doing the best she can, doing quite good in just kind of like a, a just a, a, a car with a dead battery. It just, there's just nothing that there for me. doesn't hold up in my opinion. Um. I'll say that I I, I laughed at the, with this now when you talked about Mike White getting beat up because I think Mike White's funny in the film. No, it's not funny. I I agree. I agree. That's not. I don't think it's supposed to be funny. Like it's again, it's just like adds to the tragedy that she's just a whirlwind of selfishness, destroying the lives of everyone around her. I mean, like even Gwen, who fucking knows if she'd like taken her to the hospital sooner, who knows? Um, like 
man, that's, that's a stretch. But whatever. Like she's she's a whirlwind, and um, and I'm glad I don't know her personally. Do I need to watch <laughs> a movie where I like all the characters? Absolutely not. We've talked a great deal about dragged across concrete for instance there's no one in that movie that you like but it's fucking engaging as hell and and fantastic there's tons of movies we could sit here and list where you don't like every character in the movie or you don't like the majority of the characters in the movie um but when there is a movie when you don't like the majority of the characters or really any of the characters there does still have to be for me um there doesn't have to be a lesson. Mike said, fuck that. I don't know. about. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm not going to say fuck that, but I, 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 I do want, I mean, I probably want something or at the very fucking least, it has to be really entertaining. And I didn't find this movie very entertaining. I found this movie mostly frustrating. Like I'm frustrated with the characters. I'm frustrated with their actions. I'm frustrated with a lot that's going on throughout the majority of the film, which is how I felt when I watched it in 2002 and why I had not returned to it. Um, so for me, it, it was not worth going back and rewatching. I love you, Mike. I do not love this movie. It does not hold up. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not Eric. I can do it. It's fine. But do they have to erase it from the face of the earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but, uh, <laughs> expunge it totally. That is a very fair point. Yes. It holds like value. Flaw de Coco is, Flaw de Coco is getting fucked. I mean, Flaw de Coco's <laughs> done a lot of movies. Poor Flaw de Coco. He's been quite busy. I mean, he, he did uh, that movie a couple years ago that I really wanted to see that now I'm going to really make an effort to see. Uh, Beatrice at the Dinner, which is uh, John Lithgow. It was right after Trump yeah. got elected. Oh, they, you're they, right, they, dude. I forgot all about that. I wanted to see that. that. I meant to see that when it came. It was supposed to be like the first yeah. like, you know, Trump-era movie. And we were all yes. like, oh, yeah, we should watch that. Then none of us watched it. Fuck. Yeah, that's his movie. <laughs> Thank he directed, you, Mike. So. I'm gonna check Cedar that out. Cedar Rapids, Maybe yeah, I like Cedar Rapids. Oh, Cedar Rapids that too. Good. Good. I love Cedar Rapids. Fuck. So this guy right, again right. is like maybe he's one of my kind of favorite Blonde directors. Coco. I don't realize it. I don't know. I like everything he does. I Blonde haven't seen every Coco? TV show. Flanda <laughs> Coco, yes. Every time we say Flanda Coco, I see. I think of you go, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco from Mean Girls. Oh, That's I think of I Mama think Coco. Of. Oh, Mama Coco. <laughs> yes. Mama Coco. <laughs> that really happened. That still exists. Ooh. It still streams on Spotify. I wonder how many really streams does. it has. God, it's unreal. All right. Well, we did it. It's in the can. Another episode of the Cinema 9 Podcast. It didn't hold up, but that's okay. At least we know the truth now. And I'm all about getting to the truth on this show. And next week, we're going to have Steve Paolo coming in. Ew. Steve Paolo. He's a real big fan of the show, and he loves movies. He did his... 30 favorite movies in March, uh, back in March on Twitter. If you want to go back and check out his Twitter feed, at Steve Paulo, P-A-U-L-O, Paul O, and you can check all those out. And the movie he has chosen for next Boy. week's show. Here we go. Any idea what decade it's from? I have no the, idea. The 90s. You're right. It is from the 90s. Yeah, Steve is a 90s guy through and through. We're going back to 1995, I believe. It's called Gene Hackman, John Travolta. Get shorty. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. It's a great call, Steve. It's been cool. 25 years. I've never seen this movie. I remember it being a huge <laughs> deal. You've I never, never saw it. Shorty. I remember it being a huge deal. I, I, I almost feel like I've seen it, but I haven't actually seen it. So oh, wow. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Right. Holy shit, All right. man. All right. Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, we got Elmore Leonard screenplay. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Early James exactly. Gandolfini vehicle. Yeah. Well, this is a good choice, and we look forward to having Steve yeah, on next week, pick, Steve. next Thursday. And uh, Delroy, great Delroy Lindo film too. Right, yeah. See, Delroy. look at that! I know it's a monster cast. Uh, what's her face? Uh, Renee Russo's in it and yep. shit. So, and then there was the follow-up. Uh, cool. Which I never watched. Be cool, but yeah, be cool. Yeah, 
it got really terrible reviews. I didn't want to ruin the original. So horrible. Yeah, I'm sorry right. I brought it up. We'll, we'll talk more about it next week. We'll talk more it's about it. It's shorty. It's a great call. All right, cool. Well, we're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for all your time and energy on another wonderful edition of the Cinema Nine Podcast. Travis Roy, Eric Branch, and Michael Govier. Don't forget, five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Big star day. And you can always subscribe to our YouTube channel, Cinema Nine Pod. Until next Thursday. Bye-bye. Flanda Coco.